Our preaching theme for 2016 has been on parenting and how we want to try to do that parenting thing in a way that pleases the Lord. And for the past 10 months now, we have seen that the Bible has much to say to moms and to dads about this business of raising children. And thankfully, some of our hymn writers finally caught on to that and took notice of all that the Bible has to say say about raising children and about families. And our hymn writers began to write some songs that would help us to admonish one another, even through song, about the raising of children. And so we do start to have some songs in our songbooks now about raising children and families. We have songs like number 472, God Give Us Christian Homes. Or song number 700, Train Your Children. We have number 308, Where Love Is In The Home. Tonight, though, I want to direct your attention to a song that's found in the supplement, and it's a song that we've been singing with some regularity for the past few months. It's number 148. You can be turning there right now. It's the song, Father, Help Us Raise Our Children. And this is a wonderful hymn. I especially like this hymn. Got to credit Cody for teaching it to us, uh, the first person that I remember leading it. Song that's actually written fairly recently, back in 1995, by David and uh, Nellene Watts. And what I like about this song is that this song, in many ways, it's actually a prayer. I hope maybe you've noticed as we've read through the book of Psalms this year that many of those Psalms, they're structured as songs of praise to God, but also at the same time, they're also prayers to God. And this song kind of doubles as a, as a song of praise and also as a song of, of prayer to the Lord. Each of these four stanzas expresses in various ways some truths. Some truths about children, some truths about the joy that children bring to our lives, some truths even about the difficulties and the concerns that we have while we're raising our children. And with each line, there's kind of a, a building that's going on. There's a progression that expresses new challenges that we face as parents as we raise children through the various stages of life. And so, for example, the first verse speaks of kind of what I would maybe kind of picture as maybe a newborn baby. Verse 1, little children from above, sent to us with joy and love, they bring a hope so clear and bright. Father, help us raise them right. That verse just speaks very candidly about the blessing of children. In Psalm 127 and in verse 3, the psalmist says, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. I like the New American Standard how it renders that passage. Behold, children are a gift from the Lord. And as with any of the gifts that God showers upon us day by day, all of the things that we have in this material world are gifts from the Lord. Just as with any gift that He entrusts to us and that He makes us stewards of, we need to take care of it. We need to treat it right. We need to do right by those gifts. And so it is with children. And so as a result, that's our prayer. The first of the prayers here is, Father, help us raise our children right. Help us to do what Ephesians 6 and verse 4 says, to bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. That ought to be really at the heart of all of our praying that we do for our children. And even if you're not a parent or maybe your kids are already full grown, I hope you'll see that these four prayers are things that you can be praying on behalf of us as parents and be praying for all of these precious souls amongst us. That ought to be at the heart of our prayers. But you know what? There's more that we can pray for as it pertains to parenting and children. Look at the second verse. Oh, how tender is the sight of little ones in bed at night. 
Parents praying at their feet, Father, keep them pure and sweet. This second verse describes a child who maybe is a little bit older now, no longer just a newborn baby. Maybe they're a toddler. Maybe they're an adolescent. Maybe they're developing their motor skills and they're learning to do some different things in life. And I must confess to you that I have found myself prostrated many a night at the foot of Hattie's crib late at night doing exactly what this verse describes. Praying, Father, Father, keep them pure and sweet. You know, there's a reason that Jesus says in Matthew Matthew 18 and in verse 3, that unless you become like children, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. And that's because Jesus recognized that little children, they have a purity. They have an innocence about them. They have not yet been tainted and corrupted by the filth and by the sin and the wickedness of this world. But of course, we know and we realize, I hope we realize, that one of these days, one of these days that's going to change. One of these days they're going to go through that transition that Paul describes in Romans chapter 7, in verses 7 through 11, where they begin to understand some things. They're starting to put some pieces together. They begin to understand what sin is. They begin to understand how sin conflicts with what God says in His law. And ultimately, when they reach a certain age, they reach a point where they, just like everybody else, They become sinners. And so what do we pray? We pray that God will help them to maintain for as long as they can that childlike purity. And furthermore, even once they've lost that childlike purity, that they would seek to regain that purity, to be pure and to live holy all the days of their life. That's a wonderful thing to pray for. Which leads right into this very next stanza, verse 3. Little children soon are grown. Can they face the world alone? As they strive and struggle through, Father, Father, let them turn to You. One of the most difficult rites of passage for any parent, I am sure, is whenever our children reach a certain age of maturity, and we have to let them go. We have to let them kind of spread their wings and be their own person. We have to maybe send them away to college. Or maybe they decide, hey, it's time to move out of mom and dad's house and now I'm going to go get me a job and I'm going to go get my own apartment. Or maybe they even reach the point where they fall in love with that special someone. And now it's time for them to do that thing that God talked about all the way back in the Genesis, in the book of Genesis, where they're going to leave father and mother and they're going to cleave to their husband or to their wife. And when that happens, what we hope is we hope that we have done everything within our power to prepare them for what comes next. To prepare them for this world. To prepare them for all of the many temptations that are out there in this world. Mom and Dad, we can't continue to hold their hand through every step and every phase of life. There comes a time when they have to learn to walk on their own. And so what is our prayer? Our prayer is that our kids will learn to lean upon the Lord. Father, let them turn to You. And that is so important. That's so critical. That kids learn to develop their own faith in God. That they forge their own relationship with the Father. That they cannot rely upon mom or dad's faith. Mom and dad's faith isn't going to get them into heaven. 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 10 says that we will all stand before the judgment seat of Christ individually. And so what we pray is we pray that our children will make the decision of their own volition and of their own accord that they'll decide to follow Jesus throughout their life. But then, then a day comes where we're going to have to relinquish all control. 
we will completely relinquish any control. Because verse 4, verse 4, when our time to go draws near, may we, leave, we may have to leave our children here. To the new land far away, Father, bring them home someday. Generally speaking, it's not true in every case, but generally speaking, the natural order of things is that parents die and they then leave their children behind. And that can be difficult because as a parent, our parental instinct is to just always be there for our kids, to help them whenever there's time of need. To advise them and give them guidance and, and instruction in the way that they ought to go. To try to support them and to encourage them. And even to be there to rebuke them and discipline them when that is called for. But a day comes when we give up all of that. Because a day comes when we ourselves will leave the scenes of this life. And so what we hope is we hope that we will have conducted our own lives in such a way that our influence will continue on. That our influence will continue to reverberate long after we are gone from this life. We want so much to be like Abel in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 4. That even though we are dead, we still speak. By the righteous example that we have set in our life, we are still speaking a message to our children. But at the end of the day, we're still just going to have to trust God. And we're going to have to leave it in His hands. Which is why our prayer and why our greatest desire for our kids is that Father... You will bring them home someday. Part of the joys of heaven and part of the picture of heaven is that it will be a reunion, a reunion of all of the saved of all time. And we desire so much for our children to be there in that number. And so we are doing everything that we possibly can now and especially everything that we can in prayer so that when that time comes, we will all as a family and just all as God's family, as God's people, We'll be able to assemble around the throne of God and sing His praises forever. Raising children is certainly a challenge. And we need all the help that we can get, not just from brothers and sisters and people who have been there and done that, but we need all the help we can get from the Lord. And this song stresses that. Let me close this evening by sharing with you a letter. And this letter, I believe, will help you to appreciate the task, the awesome task that God has given to parents. This letter is from a woman who was martyred for her faith. Her name was Elizabeth Moonsorp. And she died for her faith all the way back in the year 1573. When she wrote this letter, her husband had already been burned at the stake. But she was spared in an ironic and in some ways a rather cruel twist because she was pregnant with child. Elizabeth and her husband were Dutch Anabaptists. The Dutch Anabaptists believed in adult free will baptism and in individual responsibility before God. Those beliefs and those convictions clashed with the state church. And so the state church hunted down relentlessly and killed anyone who did not conform to their teaching. Elizabeth knew that when she finally gave birth to this child, that they would take her child and that she would then be executed. And so she wrote this letter, never bitter, never complaining, just saddened by the fact that she would never have the opportunity to raise this child to know the Lord. And so she wrote the following. She said, my dearest child, since I must leave you here, I will commend you to the Lord. 
Oh, that it had pleased the Lord that I might have brought you up. I should so gladly have done my best with respect to it. But it seems that that is not the Lord's will. Therefore, I must through these lines cause you to remember that when you have attained your understanding, you endeavor to fear God and to see and to examine why and for whose name we both died. My dear child, I pray that wherever you live when you are grown up, that you conduct yourself honestly and be faithful, taking good heed not to wrong anyone. And do not think yourself too good for anything, nor exalt yourself. Be content, be honorable, and be courteous toward all men. And so now, Yonakim, my dearest lamb, I must leave you here. The Lord that created and made you now takes me from you. I leave you this letter. I leave you this letter for a testament that you may remember me by it. Read it and keep it for as long as you live in remembrance of me and of your father. Follow me and your father and be not ashamed to confess your faith before the world. I herewith bid you adieu and farewell. I hope to seal this letter with my blood at the stake. You know, I thought about that. I came across that letter a little while back and I've thought an awful lot about that letter. It would be pretty hard to raise your child through a letter, wouldn't it? And I thank the Lord that I have not had to write such a letter as this. I and many others of you, we are granted the marvelous privilege and blessing of raising our kids personally and directly to raise them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. May God help us to do that. And may we always seek God in prayer for His help as we raise those children.